Nope, I got a whole box. 12 more, 14 more. All right, the second passage is the birth narrative. Remember, I'm, I'm going to imagine, ask you to imagine that I am Zacharias, the husband of Elizabeth, the father of John the Baptist. Mary is in my house. Chapter 1, verse 26. This is the word of God. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to Mary, uh, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what manner of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I am Zacharias. My wife, Elizabeth, who is now six months pregnant with the one who will be John. Mary, the mother of God, has come to stay at our house. I am unable to speak. Um, the angel that came to visit Mary was the same angel that came to visit me, Gabriel. And when Gabriel spoke to me, I did not believe. And there are consequences to unbelief. And so I was not able to speak. And so Mary, who was pregnant, came to my house with Elizabeth, who was also pregnant, my wife, though less miraculously so. And I am unable to speak. So I sit and I listen to the wisdom of these two women. I listen as Mary speaks about this marvelous plan that is unfolding. And as I look at Mary, I think about the virtues that Mary is, the virtue that Mary contains. And I think that here is a woman who is filled with hope. Now, I say that both literally and figuratively. Her heart is filled with hope, and her womb is quite literally filled with the hope of the world. And so as I look at Mary and I look at the virtues, we don't study, think about virtues too much anymore, I don't think. I want to suggest some of the virtues that I see in Mary, this woman of hope, this woman of hope. And so the first virtue that I see in Mary, this woman of hope, is humility. In fact, humility, humility seems to describe, almost define who Mary is. Now let me be clear about what humility is. Humility is not that attitude of being defeated. Mary is not that. In fact, when Mary came to my house and, and Elizabeth uh, came to uh, greet her, Mary sang the Magnificat. 
She's saying, my heart magnifies the Lord and my spirit exalts in God my Savior, for he has looked upon my lowliness, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. Somebody who says, all generations will call me blessed, is not a woman who is defeated. No, humility is much more profound than that. I would describe humility and the humility that I saw in Mary in this way. Humility is knowing that God, who is all-powerful, that God, who has a great plan, has called you into that plan, even though you are not great and you are not that powerful. That's the humility that Mary knew that God had a great plan, God was all-powerful, and she was called into that plan, though she was not great and that she was not that powerful. She was a peasant girl. Mary exemplified humility. And so I looked at Mary and I witnessed the kind of person that she was and thought, I can have that kind of humility also. I, who am Israel's teacher, I am a priest, child of Aaron. And so as I watched Mary, I I saw the way she expressed this humility on a daily level. Now, I need to say, in our time, um, we were not so self-important, I think, as some of you think you are. (laughs) Um, News, for example, that came to us was slow. Breaking news for us was something like, Sarah, who lived a quarter mile down the road, had sliced open her finger while cutting vegetables. That was breaking news. We knew there were things going on in Jerusalem, but sometimes that was several weeks to get to us. We knew there were things going on in Rome, but sometimes that was months to get to us. So life was more slow. And as I watched Mary in all her humility dealing with the slower pace, I watched as she did even the most simple things as if they were the most important thing going on. I watched her, for example, making bread daily at our home. As she was kneading the bread, it was as if the bread she was touching was the most important thing that there was, as if this bread would give life, and this bread was in her hands. I watched Mary as she prayed. Prayer, in fact, was the defining thing about who Mary was. She would wake up far before the sun would come up, and she would pray far into the night, and in the middle of the day she'd be praying, and as she was doing other things, her whole attitude was of interior prayer, thinking and praying to God continually. And even that prayer gave her a sense of humility because she knew she was standing in the almightiness of God, and this God who created the heavens and the earth, this God was listening to her, and she was speaking to the Almighty One. Mary, her life was dominated by prayer. Now, you need to understand, um, scholars, I'm I'm a teacher of Israel, I'm a priest. We would spend so much of our time arguing and debating over the nature of God and the the power of God and the possibility of God, and there's a place for that, the theology and the possibility of God, the philosophy of God, but Mary didn't do that. Mary simply spoke to and listened for the things of God. Mary, who was defined by humility, and that humility was brought out in prayer. I would listen to her say these things about prayer and about listening to God and I, the teacher of Israel, would learn from this humble woman. 
And she'd say things like, God does not like to repeat himself. And so when God says something, we ought to listen to what God says because he doesn't like to say things over and over again. For example, when he spoke the Ten Commandments, he didn't need to repeat that. You just need to know what they are. Thou shalt have no other God. Thou shalt not have idols. Keep Sabbath. These kinds of things. God's not going to repeat that. Just do it. And so you know what those things are that God has said. Mary would say as she was listening to God that God spoke, at least historically, fairly infrequently. And so he spoke to Abraham, clearly. And then Moses, but there was a long period between Abraham and Moses. And then he spoke to David, and then he spoke to Isaiah, and he spoke to me. But I didn't believe it. There are consequences to unbelief. And then he spoke to Mary. But this is infrequent when God speaks so directly. Now, Mary did say that oftentimes there were these urges. She'd be so deep in prayer in the early morning and late at night and through the day. And sometimes she would rise and say something like, I I think I feel a need, an urge, a a tickling of God that I should go down the street and visit Sarah, who lives a quarter mile down the road. And sure enough, Sarah had sliced open her finger while cutting vegetables. How did she know? She'd listen for these urges, this Mary who heard the word of God. And in fact, it was hearing the word of God that made her even more humble. This woman who was so filled with hope, her heart filled with hope, her her womb filled with the hope of the world, the first virtue that I would speak to you about in this woman of hope was humility. Mary was a humble woman. The second virtue I would speak to you about was openness, openness. Mary was open to the word of God. Mary was open to God's plan. Now, let me be clear. In your day, there is a saying that you have risen to the level of virtue, and it's just silly. One of the sayings that you uh, have elevated to virtue is that you should be open-minded. That's not a virtue. If somebody were to ask Mary, are you open-minded? She would say, oh, good heavens, no. What a foolish thing. And so if somebody would come to Mary and say, are you open-minded enough to worship another god, to have just a little idol on the hearth, just in case, to cover your bases, to break Sabbath, to use the name in vain, to dishonor your mother and father, you're open to doing that, aren't you? Aren't you open-minded? Oh, no, she would say, that's such foolishness. She wasn't open-minded, but her heart was open. She was open to receiving God into her life. And so the angel Gabriel, the same angel that came to me, the angel Gabriel came to Mary, said, Behold, highly favored daughter, the Lord is with you. She was afraid, and the angel said, Don't be afraid, for you shall be with child. How can this be, she said. How can I be open to such a thing? The angel said, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. The Spirit of the Almighty will overshadow you, and you shall be with child, and you shall call him Yeshua, Jesus, which means God saves. Mary was open to receiving the Word of God in her life. Openness is a virtue. Are you open to receiving the Lord Jesus into your heart? The first virtue I heard in Mary was humility. The second was openness in this woman of hope who had hope in her heart and the hope of the world in her womb. The third 
praise. This was a woman who understood praise, and wherever she was, praise filled the room. When she came to my house, she sang the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God my Savior. And I said, as soon as I heard that, if I can ever speak again, which I don't think I would be ever speak again, because there are consequences to disbelief. But I thought, if I can, I'm going to write a hymn as beautiful as hers. I am going to start that now, and I started composing, I started thinking because of what she said, I thought, blessed be the Lord, the God Almighty, for he has come to his people Israel to set us free. Zacharias' song, not nearly as beautiful as Mary's, but I wrote it because when Mary was present, there was praise. But understand that praise was deep. And Mary understood sorrow, which covered so much of her life. She gave birth in a barn. There was nobody present. Her mother was not there. Nobody was there except Joseph. And when the Magi came, who I think kind of stupidly said to Herod, where is the king? Then Herod, the king, got insanely jealous as he was, and he ordered the death of all the baby boys two years of age and under in Bethlehem, all of them dead. It broke her heart. And then in a dream, she heard that she and Joseph needed to go to Egypt. And so there they were refugees in a land where they could not speak the language and the people there did not want them there. And they called them foreigners, aliens, as if they were from another planet. Mary knew sorrow. When her child grew up, he was tortured and crucified. Mary knew sorrow. Her heart was broken. But beneath that sorrow, there was that constant praise because she knew that all that was happening somehow was being woven into the master plan of God. And she was a part of that plan. Do you know that? Do you have that praise sitting deeper than any sorrow? Mary, this woman of hope, was a woman of humility and openness and praise and expectation. She was expecting, how obvious. She was expecting a child, but more than that. She knew, she lived with the expectation that what was happening to her was a part of a grand plan that was continually unfolding and that she was woven into God's plan and that God's plan continues to unfold, and God is weaving all who would accept Jesus into their lives. God is weaving everyone who would receive the Holy Spirit into their hearts. God has woven all into his master plan. Do you live with that expectation? God has not forgotten anyone. How do you spell hope? Humility, to be open to the word of God. Openness, to receive God into your life. Praise that beneath all the sorrow, there is a praise because God's plan is unfolding and expectation that God is using you to the greater glory of his kingdom. As I watched Mary, I saw these things, and I, Israel's teacher, a priest of God, could learn these things from this beautiful woman. Amen. Let's pray. 
Lord, we give you thanks that you have woven us into your master plan. And at the center of your plan is Jesus, who we receive into our lives even now with great praise and great honor in his name. Amen.